This is the Hockey News Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Hockey News Podcast presented by BetMGM. I'm Steve Nellis. Joining me as always is Ryan Canney. Ryan, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? Those are some fun game sevens. And it's funny because we talked about it in the last the last thing. And I said, man, too many blowouts. This isn't, hasn't been as fun as it could have been. And then we got five game sevens. Are you not entertained? <laughs> that was unbelievable hockey every yeah. night. Uh, I think the only like not super exciting one may have been the, the Carolina-Boston one. And even then you're looking at like, this is Bergeron's last game with the Bruins. He's going to go all out here and, mm-hmm. and seeing what this, this group could do. But... Yeah, just a great slate of games to finish the first round, which is kind of what you could ask or all you could ask for. Because yeah, there were a lot of blowouts at the beginning, and then that all changed at the end. And so yeah, what were your thoughts on that that first round? I thought it was a great first round, and uh, certainly unpredictable. I was mm-hmm. thinking about my first round predictions, and if I was five hundred, I'd be lucky because uh, I thought Boston would do better, mm-hmm. and you know I, I thought Los Angeles could probably drag the Oilers down, but Edmonton obviously found the uh, the key to the puzzle there. And you know what? I think what was really interesting about the game sevens is that in a couple of cases, you know the big guns came out in the end. So like Artemi Panarin was the yes. guy that scored for the Rangers. Johnny Gaudreau was the guy that scored for the Flames. It's like those guys. McDavid you, for the Oilers. McDavid for the Oilers. The and guys, Cody Ceci. And Cody Ceci. Yeah. Nick Paul, of course. <laughs> yes. No, um, but kind of also funny that Nick Paul was one of the acquisitions made by Tampa mm-hmm. this year. And he's a Toronto area kid. But I mean, that's why you have those guys, those game breakers is for situations like that, where it's game seven you want your Panarins and your Gaudreaux to be leading the charge in overtime, and they both came through, so pretty fun there. It was awesome, and uh, late slate of games, that Calgary-Dallas game was unbelievable. Jake Ottinger, can we give him the Conn Smythe? (laughs) Maybe not. Well, we'll talk about him pretty shortly, but before we actually start recording this, there was a couple coaching changes in the NHL. Indeed. Starting with Lane Lambert to the Islanders, something you said would be a good possibility. Called it. Yeah, I mean, Lane Lambert has been an associate coach and an assistant coach before that for quite a long time. He's been a head coach at the AHL level, so this one felt kind of inevitable Mm -hmm. that he would get his shot, and he does so with the Islanders, a team that he's been with for... uh, a few years now. Uh, obviously, he's uh, been with Barry Trotz uh, for most of his professional coaching career. Uh, obviously, Trotz moving on now as uh, he he's the one he is replacing mm-hmm. on Long Island. But uh, very interested to see what Lambert can do with his own bench. Uh, obviously, I, he's more than ready. And it's a pretty good roster still. It'll be interesting to see what he can get out of them, if there's any differences uh, just in terms of style and how guys are deployed. So that's a fun one. And then, of course, uh, Vegas. Yes. Pete DeBoer, just before we started filming this. Ten minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. And to me, Vegas is tricky because they're clearly a win-now team mm-hmm. based mm-hmm. on all the contracts they have, based on the star power. So do you go out and get a Barry Trot? Yes. Which would be kind of the easy solution. Or do you look more long-term and say, okay, is there somebody in the organization that we could promote that brings a new voice Mm -hmm. to the table, maybe hasn't been an NHL head coach before? And again, this is just like off the cuff. We've just learned the news. I'm wondering, Manny Viveros 
head coach of the Henderson Silver Knights, who's Vegas's AHL affiliate, you know, would he be the guy that they bring in? You know, this is a guy that's had a really great reputation uh, throughout his coaching career back, you know, when he was in the WHL. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, he's got some international experience with yep. Canada. So, you know, pretty decent resume already. I know he's very well respected in the industry. Is that somebody they would look to as somebody that could bring in a voice, you know, a new voice and a new way of thinking and help this Golden Knights team get back into the playoff race next year? And obviously they should be. They should really be contending for the division title. So Trotz is the obvious known quantity. To me, Viveros is the guy you promote from within. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, this is breaking news. Yes, we, we don't know what's going to happen here. The Vegas Golden Knights is something where, like, if they did make a coaching change, would you be fine with that? With the Knights? Yeah. If, if they kept DeVore and didn't make a coaching change. Or did they have to? I feel like they had to. This team had too much talent. And I know they had injuries. Mm -hmm. But this team had too much talent um, to miss the playoffs. And, you know, with the way things went with Robin Lehner at the end of the season, and yes. I know him and DeBoer, it sounds like they patched things up. But you can't keep churning goalies like that. No. And, you know, they made a commitment to Lehner when he signed that long-term deal. And I feel at some point you have to stick with your goalie and I, I would say stick up for your goalie and be like, yeah, yeah, no, we still believe you're our guy. So if there was a conflict there and it had to be one or another, and I'm not saying that is the situation, but I think that given that they missed the playoffs and there was some tension with at least one of the players, I, I think it was time to move on. I will give a shout out to Logan Thompson who's playing really good hockey right now. And I, I said a couple episodes ago, I'm like, I'm not sure if this is a guy that you really want to be running your net, but he's played some pretty darn good hockey the last few months between like that stretch run where he was giving it his all in the yep. final games for the Golden Knights and then now playing for Team Canada. Granted, he's beaten, uh, I believe it's, uh, forget the Germany, and mm -hmm. he's beaten the uh, Slovakia. So right. two, two defending silver medalists. In the they got some hockey. weapons. Yeah, so, but... Still, he's looking pretty good. Made a really nice diving save. But yep. that's it. We're here to talk about the playoffs, though, right. in the second round. Uh, <laughs> but I do want to look one more time back at the last round. Who are your top performers from that round? Because Jake Ottinger's easy. But, sure. But, but, but who are your top performers here? Yeah, so shout out to Jake Ottinger. Obviously, a, a big factor in that series against Calgary, even though the Stars ended up losing in the end. You know, Connor McDavid, an obvious one yeah. in Edmonton. And, you know, again, we said your big stars have to show up. McDavid leading the league in scoring right now. And doing so against a Kings team where, yeah, you know, they weren't the strongest on paper, but we knew that they had the culture and the structure mm -hmm. that, you know, they could lock it down. And we saw that sometimes. Other times I got blown out. Uh, but then Carter Verhage with Florida. Uh, you know, a lot of people saying kind of early cons my favorite mm -hmm. uh, because we do expect the Panthers to go pretty far. And Verhage, I mean, just keeping on yep. from the regular season. This is a player that has grown so much over the years and really found his place in Florida. Uh, you know, I mean, he's had some success in the past. Don't yep. get me wrong. But uh, the level he's playing right now, it's so crucial when you're in the playoffs and you're going to have matchups on the road. You know, you're going to have guys like Barkoff and Huberto that you know they're going to be facing top competition. And to have guys like Verhage and, and Mason Marchment, who's obviously yes. playing incredible as well and, and putting up great numbers, you need those guys to 
be able to deflect attention away and for them to cash in when they're not seeing the top matchups. Mm-hmm. So it's so crucial. And, and Verhage doing such a great job, putting up a ton of points. Uh, for me, he has been just excellent. And we look good for Hagee. This is a guy that didn't just kind of come out of nowhere. Like he had a lot of great offensive seasons with yep. the Niagara Ice Dogs. He showed some really good promise in the, the AHL, but he, he kind of was like an in-betweener in his first pro year between mm-hmm. the AHL and ECHL. This is a guy who had a pretty interesting run where, like, his first two years, he was split between the two leagues, and he played well in the AHL. I'm not sure the context of why he went back to the ECHL. Mm. But then went out there and had 82 points in 2018-19, made the Tampa Lightning full-time, seemed to be a good utility guy, but they just kind of, they had too many guys fighting for too many spots. He was odd man out, and then goes to Florida, and... He was like the, the thing they needed all this time. We look at Florida. It's like, man, there's good, a good team, but they can't seem to figure out a score. And here they are with Fregi coming in here basically for free. Yeah. It's six goals, 12 points in the first round. Like, they yeah. can't ask for more than that. Exactly. And again, you know, heading into that second round against Tampa Bay, where the Lightning, very deep team, mm-hmm. and, you know, you're going to be looking at. Barkoff probably taking on the Stamkos line. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Braden Point is feeling after that Game 7 against Toronto uh, because he did come back, but that when he went down, I don't know if it was the ankle or the knee, but it didn't look nice at all. No. Um, it'll be interesting to see just how the Panthers and Lightning match up against each other. And, you know, again, it's one of those pick-your-poison scenarios now where it's like, how much can we concentrate on one line versus the other uh, when you're facing Florida? I mean, we know Tampa Bay has match. You know, they give you matchup problems, but Florida can say, "Hey, we're pretty deep now too. We're ready to rumble." And then Jake Ottinger, obviously, got to bring it one more time, just because of how unbelievable that first round was. When you look at the stats, those were some of the best first round goalie stats we've seen in a long time. And yeah. I believe he's like top five now in saves in a single series, and he did it with just one overtime game. Mm. And in that in game seven, and he faced over fifty shots in regulation. So it's not like he, it's not like the the Casey DeSmith situation or, or Louis Domingue in game one, where or Shesterkin, where they made so many saves in the extra three overtimes. Like right. they did it once, and it was one like not even a full period. Um, but yeah, I, I thought Andre was outstanding. This is a guy that listening to the broadcast last night, they're saying there's like no true flaws to his games. A great size, very athletic, and the one name that's been brought up as a comparison in terms of how he handles the games, how he handles the, the pressure, is looking at like Carey Price. Mm. Seeing how he calm he stays and how he shows up in big games. And that was a name that was actually kind of thrown around a bit when Andre was getting drafted from what I can recall. And Andre, like, man, we're going to have so many fun Vesna battles for a while. There's Andre, there's sure. Spencer Knight, Askarov at one point, yeah. uh, Wallstead, Coast. Like, it's going to be just Durkin, obviously. Uh, Sorokin, like, there's so many good young goalies in the league right now, or, or, or some that are coming, that it, it's a good, like, it seemed like there was a big defensive boom a few years ago, and still is, obviously, but like with Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes, Adam Fox, and uh, Miro Heiskin, but then you're now getting these goalies. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah, it is very interesting. And, you know, Ottinger coming out of the NTDP, and, you know, it's funny looking back, it was him and Joseph Wool, uh, who's in Toronto's yes. system. Uh, pretty good tandem there. And then I think Spencer Knight was probably the year before them or the year after Sounds them. Sounds right, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I think Knight was probably the year after because he's kind of like, I mean, he's only like 20, 21 as, yeah. as we speak. But, you know, Ottinger, I mean, first round talent for sure. And it, it's interesting because, you know, for years in Dallas, it was like, well, they have Ben Bishop. That's the answer. And ben, well, ben Bishop, big, you know, ec- you know, excellent number one goaltender. Unfortunately, obviously, the injuries took its toll. You know, they bring in Braden Holpe. They had Kudobin as well. 
But it's sort of interesting because Ottinger, it was really a matter of just, you know, he needed a little bit of development time, but not too much. Mm -hmm. And he's come to the fore. And now, you know, when you're looking at Dallas next season, you know, I mean, they have a bit of an aging roster, but they also have that young wave with Jason Robertson and Rupe Hintz. And then obviously Heskinen is, you know, the, the star on defense already. But if Ottinger is your starter next year, then you have a little more flexibility mm -hmm. when you're building that roster. You don't have to worry about a Ben Bishop replacement anymore because you've got him. Yeah. And so then it becomes, okay, who can augment Ottinger? And maybe you're not spending as much money on goaltending as you once were. So pretty nice for Jim Nill, a former goaltender himself, uh, and now GM of the Stars, to, to have Ottinger really blossom. At one point, it looked like Ottinger was truly the fourth goal in this Dallas Stars team, and he ends up getting 30 wins, which is, yeah. if you didn't watch Dallas closely, the fact he got 30 wins and he played like 48 games, like that's pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. But Dallas seems to always have good goaltenders, whether it be Marty Turco, Ed Belfour, uh, Ben Bishop, obviously, Carl Lennon had a very good run for a few years here, yeah. and now you got Ottinger. It's like Dallas seems to be having good goalies all the time. And that's pretty cool. And if, if, you're, if they bring back Holtby as your backup, that's a good backup. Very much so. <laughs> so yeah, we'll see. Shout out to John Casey. Back in the day. Yes. Yes, John Casey. Yes. Okay. Wasn't thinking that, but sure. Uh, already, I don't know if they were in Dallas at that time. I was a big Tobias Stefan fan. And so he, Interesting. Yeah, he, he had a, like one of the final guys to wear like a cage helmet for gold. Oh, okay. And he was a Swiss goalie, and I love all Swiss goalies. There you go. I don't know if that's on purpose. It just is. Let's do some series previews. Okay. And let's start with Tampa Bay versus Florida. It, all the talks about the Battle of Alberta. But what about the Battle of Florida after last year? That was pretty cool. So yeah. the start... Specifically with Tampa, how did they win the series? Well, with Tampa Bay, I think, you know, the key to them, obviously they have a ton of experience. But, you know, when I watch the Lightning, they're a very smart team. Obviously, there's going to be some turnovers. You're mm -hmm. going to have some, some miscues. But for the most part, they're very poised. They're obviously very talented. They're, they're also very smart. Mm -hmm. And that's so crucial in a tight series. And... You know, looking back in round one against Toronto, the Leafs were a team with a lot of firepower. And Tampa, I mean, they, they took them right to the wire. But ultimately, it was about making sure that you took care of the chances you got. So, you know, game six, when the Leafs took those two high-sticking penalties, Tampa had to score. They scored. Got it to overtime. And that's when anything can happen. And obviously, Braden Point came through for them. But, you know, when I look at the Lightning, I see a team that has all the elements, you know, whether it's, you know, Stamkos and Kucherov and Point up front. You got Hedman on defense, Ryan McDonough. You got Vasilevsky in net, who still has not lost two games in a row Correct. in the playoffs. So you have a huge mental edge if you're Tampa Bay. And I, I would say, I'm not saying that Florida's scared of them, but I'm saying there's a confidence. There's an innate confidence with John Cooper and his mm -hmm. players that they know that they, they've done it all. And they have a, you know, Cooper mentioned this uh, ahead of game seven mm -hmm. in the first round. It's like, okay, yeah, everybody's talking about Toronto has to win, but we have the chance to do something that no one has done in a really long time, which is win three in a row. So, yeah, Tampa has won, but they do have a goal. Yeah. And once you get that taste for winning, it's hard to get it out of your mouth. And, and the one thing John Cooper said is like, oh, you know, like if we were to lose this first round series, well, like, would it be easier to swallow knowing that we've won it before? It's like, no, they're going for a legacy here. There's yeah. guys here like Corey Perry. Yeah, he won a Stanley Cup early in his career, but mm -hmm. he's was also on the losing end of both of Tampa Bay's winning guys. Right. And you look at uh, guys like Nick Paul coming in, playing a huge role. You want to win it for those guys. So 
they're still going to go for it, and they still got the totally. talent. They, it doesn't matter who the turnover is, who's going out, who's coming in. And like you say the confidence. I, I, I was saying to, to Ken Campbell that it's like John Cooper just sounds like the smartest person in the world, even if he's not saying anything of substance. He could be like, ooga, but booga, chuga. And it'd be like, yeah, he sounds smart saying it because yeah. he's so confident, and that's what yeah. you want from a coach. On the other end, you've got Andrew Burnett coming in and being this rookie coach in mm-hmm. the Florida Panthers. Uh, I, I it's funny when Brunette came in, the Panther, Panthers were, I think, like five and zero at the beginning of the year. Like they're looking really good. Mm. Uh, unusual circumstances for becoming the coach, but then he—it's not something where like the, the team really changed. Like they played well no matter what. So when we look at the Panthers. How did they win this series? Well, I think for the Panthers, they want to push the pace as much as they can because, again, going back to that first round series with Tampa Bay, you know, when Toronto played fast and really got up on the Lightning, they had some trouble. So I think for the Panthers, there is a template to win, but you have to play as much as you can mistake-free hockey. And, you know, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, use your depth because you have Claude Giroux, (laughs) who was, you know, a longtime captain in Philadelphia, one of the Flyers' best players of the past decade. He's coming in, and he's not even the focal point of your offense. No. You got Jonathan Huberdeau, who I'm sure is going to get uh, you know votes for the heart. I mean, obviously, he wasn't a finalist, but he's going to be up there. Only three points in the playoffs, though. So far. Yes. Right? So you get Huberdeau going. Um, you know, Barkoff, obviously, is the type of two-way star that you, know, you want to thrive in these circumstances, and he can shut down other guys. He can provide some offense as well. You know, and as we mentioned, Carter Verhage, Mason Marchman, you know, what can they get out of Anton Lindell, you know, the baby Barkoff? Uh, and then you look at the defense core, guys like Mackenzie Weger mm-hmm. and Aaron Eckblad. Like, this is a deep lineup. The question mark, obviously, uh, you know, can Sergei Bobrovsky hold up against Tampa Bay? I mean, Bobrovsky, we've seen the good, we've seen the bad. Yep. So, you know, looking at that first round against uh, Washington, they survived. I don't think goaltending was a, much of an issue for them. Um, so they really, they got to push the Bulls. And you know what? They have all the motivation because it's the, it's the Battle of Florida. And it's a bit of a very one-sided battle in recent years. I know the Panthers want to win this series. So that chip on their shoulder, I, I don't think that can be dismissed either. And you mentioned the depth, and this is a team that has 10 players that had at least 44 points in the regular season. That's fantastic depth. Then you look at Brandon Montour and Gustav Forsling, 37 points each on the blue line. Mm-hmm. That's impressive. But then you look at guys like Huberto, only three points. Reinhardt, three points. Duclair, two points. Marchman, one point. Lundell, one point. So um, when these guys get going, if they get going, this team's going to be tough to beat. Mm-hmm. Slow First rounds for them, but in the end, it didn't matter. They ended up winning the series, and guys like Verhage really stepped up, and yeah. Ekblad obviously played really well, and Barkov does what Barkov does. Uh, so, yeah, the Florida Panthers, they've this to me, this is the series to watch. I know the Battle of Alberta is like the, the mainstream one to pick, but it's like, yeah. man, like this is going to be so much fun. It's it's the other big rivalry one here, and for sure. it's going to be pretty cool. And, and maybe this is something where this sparks a really long-term, like, true battle of florida story last year was fantastic yeah. it seems like a lot of people kind of forgot about that series but now you've got this on one day and you got the battle of burning day. like that's gonna be awesome hockey every night it's gonna be hot and i mean these two two teams are gonna be great next year as well yeah. so the rivalry will continue thank you very much good so so what's your prediction for the series i'm gonna say florida in six i think they'll snap vasilevsky's Streak finally oh. of him wearing well they would have to they have to get yeah, six yeah. right I I just think when I look at Tampa Bay in that Toronto series you could see some fatigue already because they played so much and 
it's not going to, they're just, they're not going to be getting rest from here mm-hmm. on out unless they close out, a, you know, yeah. Florida series uh, early, but I don't, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think Florida in six. I hate picking seven, but I'm going Tampa in seven, partly because I picked Tampa to win the cup, but partly because I just, the fact that this team just keeps bouncing back and they've mm-hmm. shown us, like, yeah, they're going to be a little tired and Florida had a, a shorter series, but it's like Florida series, Florida didn't look that great in a lot of that series. Mm-hmm. There, were, there were times where Washington really outplayed them. Very and, true. Uh, but at the same time, Tampa Bay did not seem to play like the Tampa Bay we've seen in previous years. So yeah. um, I do think the Stanley Cup winner comes from the series, though. Nice. So uh, I'm excited to see what happens here. Uh, the next series, uh, St. Louis versus Colorado. We're going by kind of how the schedule is. So this sure. would be the night games. Uh, the St. Louis Blues, obviously the one that's done a couple, a couple years ago. Um, it was kind of a seesaw battle at first with Minnesota. It seemed like Minnesota may have had the advantage, and then the Blues just said, see ya. They made a goalie change, and everything worked out. Yeah. Bennington is back to being Bennington, the, the good Bennington, I should say. Uh, how do the St. Louis, St. Louis Blues win this series? Well, I think Bennington is a key here. Yep. I think you win the goalie battle. Yep. Um, and Really? Actually, really? I, I think you have to. Uh, no, I'm saying if the Blues are going to oh, win. Okay, okay. Yeah. Not, not that he's the better goalie. Okay. No, I'm not saying it's going to happen. Yes. I'm saying if St. Louis is to win the series, Got it. Bennington has to be vintage Jordan Bennington from when they won the Stanley Cup vintage a couple from years ago. a couple seasons ago. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Like a wine, right? I don't, I don't drink. But, you know, if Bennington is locked in, and the Blues can play that heavy, grinding hockey that they're so good at when it comes to the playoffs, then they would have a fighter's chance against Colorado. Because, I mean, Colorado's the favorite coming in, best team in the West. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're a tough matchup. Yep. But the good thing about the Blues is that they have a lot of depth. Mm-hmm. And David Perron, I mean, somehow this guy gets better every, <laughs> every year. Every season. Every season. And, Makes me Every wonder, new trip to St. Louis. It seems I want to like. actually look back 10 years and be like, was Perron like almost an AHLer back then? And now he's turning into like almost a star. But it's like, it's like Joe Pavelski has like the career high points of 81 this season at 37 years old. Yeah, just wild. But, you know, there's something to be said about veteran savvy. So, you know, if you keep getting those contributions from different guys, then you know you have the proven playoff performers like Ryan O'Reilly and you have Vladimir Tarasenko. You got the kids like Jordan Kiru and Robert Thomas. Um, you know, my big concern with the Blues is the health of their blue line yes. because, I mean, it was tough sledding mm-hmm. the first round. It, great that you can fill those guys in, but Colorado is a different beast. So if they can get some guys back or if the at the least the, the new defenders can at least hold the fort, then you've got a shot. And also, David Perron is an alumni from the Lewiston Maniacs. He certainly is. One of the greatest team names of all time. Uh, But the Colorado Avalanche, obviously, they had a very easy series in comparison. They won four games. Mm -hmm. Um, To me, I'm a little concerned that maybe it's too long of a break. There's two ways of looking at it. Too long of a break, or maybe they're hey, they got out healthy. That's a good sign, too. Exactly. Uh, While the Blues had some issues with some injuries there. Uh, How did the Colorado Avalanche win the series? Well, they got to come at the Blues in waves. Mm -hmm. Uh, They got to get into Bennington's kitchen because we know he's a loose cannon. Oh, yeah. Which Uh, is fun. It's it's totally fun. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, as a neutral observer, I'm all for chaos. If you're a St. Louis fan, you might be kind of like gripping your seat anytime he does that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But... You know, I mean, you've got Kale McCarr on the back end. You've got McKinnon and Ranton and Lannis Gog up front. Um, you know, so far, Malzum Kadri has uh, behaved. So that's whole great. Series, yep. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, hopefully that continues. Play poised, stay in the pocket, know that you have the talent to win this series. 
know that you can play heavy hockey mm-hmm. just like the Blues and take advantage of special teams. You know, use that power play. And, you know, Darcy Kemper sounds like he's going to be back for game one. Uh, obviously, he had that eye injury that was pretty mm-hmm. scary in game three. But he's coming back, so that's good. If you're the Avs, I think it's just, you know, remember the mission and stay in the pocket because, you know, talent-wise, this should be your series. We have a fly here. I don't certainly know. do. I don't know if they're wanting to give uh, thoughts on the series. Um, yeah, so the Colorado Avalanche, to me, this is the most excited I've been about a Western Conference team having a shot at the Stanley Cup um, in a while. Like mm-hmm. the St. Louis Blues, like that was a pretty fun run for them because yeah. they were like essentially out of it and came back and they were a tough team to beat. But when it comes to pure talent, mm-hmm. this Avalanche team looks so good. But I am concerned. It's been a while since they've played a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and does that hurt them? It, it Maybe in the first game, you know, they're they're kind of out yeah, of it. But, but at the same time, it's like they, they're fresh and they're healthy. And that's so good. The yes. goaltending was good. There wasn't really a lot of flaws that that round, and they kind of easily stepped over the National Predators. So that is a tough one um, for, I, I guess, a good thing I should say. But uh, I guess your prediction for this, because to me, this is this is more of an underrated series. Yeah, it is, and I mean, I think Colorado's going to win, but you can't underestimate the Blues. So I'm going to say Colorado in six. I wouldn't be surprised if they do it in five. Because if they take control early, then it's it's done. But St. Louis is a good, they're a good team. So I'm going to say six, knowing that it's going to be between five and seven. I'm going with six two for Colorado. But it's like if they win in five or four, does that uh, they, uh, four is probably unlikely. But let's mm. say they do it in four or five. Does like that lack of adversity concern you there? You know what? I'm fine with it for now because you want as many days off. You want Mm -hmm. as many healthy days as you can get in the playoffs because it is such a war of attrition. And the Avs, I mean, it's Stanley Cup or bust. Mm -hmm. So I think they need to be as focused as possible. And any days off you can get is awesome, especially if you think about it because they play at altitude. Teams coming in have to adjust when they go to Colorado, whereas the Avs, they're fine with it already. So anytime you can get that little advantage in terms of just energy and endurance, that helps them. Not to mention that they would have to, play, if they win this series, they have to play the winner of the Battle of Alberta. And we know that's just going to be like a death War. match. <laughs> yes. So, so that actually could be a very good thing here. Yeah. Before we talk about that series, mm-hmm. let's talk about the Carolina Hurricanes and the New York Rangers. Uh, this is one where you look at the Hurricane. Well, they, they both went to, to game seven. So they, they're both going to be a little tired. It's a good thing they get the extra day of rest. Mm. Uh, the Hurricanes, they had a bit of an easier run beating the Boston Bruins. It seems like this is a team that's like unstoppable at home. Um, how do the Carolina Hurricanes win this series? Well, you know what? I, if they play up to their capability, I think this is their series to win. They have a great defense core. You know, it doesn't seem to matter who's in net for them. They get Apparently. the job done. So, you know, good on Carolina. Freddie might come back. <laughs> Anderson <laughs> might come back. But, I mean, Rand has been really good. And, you know, Kachetkov stepped in there as well for them. So, I mean, this is a team that, you know, they know who they are. They're very structured in what they do. They've got the weapons up front. I think this is a team where as long as they stay focused, as long as they kind of play with poise and make sure that they keep an eye on some of those big guns for the Rangers, obviously Panarin, Kreider, Zibanejad, they can keep those guys on the periphery as as much as possible. 
you know, have Slavin as kind of the spy uh, when he's out there to, to keep an eye on them, uh, then they should be in, in pretty good shape. And then you look at the New York Rangers, a team that basically had to play a couple of must-win games in a row. They were down 3-1 yeah. against a Penguins team that seemed like every player was hurt, and they were basically just resorted to whoever could play hockey yeah. to fill the lineup. Uh, and then they went out there win a game seven. That was also spectacular. So when you're looking at how the Rangers win, what do they need to do? Well, Igor Shesterkin has to be the best player in the series. And he was not. In- he was not in the first. And, and it was tough because, I mean, they hung out to dry a lot. So I don't, I don't put that burden on Shesterkin necessarily. But the defense has to be better in front of him. Uh, not only the, the blue liners themselves, but just as a team. But, you know, your, your big guns up front, they have to keep on firing. So Panarin has to be big. Um, and, and then just defensively, they need to step it up a notch. And then, as I said, Shesterkin, he needs to be the guy that steals the game or two on his own. And then for the rest of the series, the Rangers have to make sure that they match up as well as they can against the Hurricanes. So let's say Anderson does come back, and you've got two very good goaltenders going in there. So then what becomes the big difference? I think you roll with Ranta until he gives you a reason not to. Because putting in Anderson cold after what has been like a month, that's a tough assignment for a guy that typically hasn't played well in the playoffs anyways. So I would say you go with Ranta. I mean, if he gets lit up in a game, then it's like, okay, you go back to Anderson, no problem. But that would be my concern is that you have a guy that's playing very well versus a guy that historically has not played well in the postseason yes. and is cold. Yes. That would be troublesome. But if Carolina gets Anderson and let's say he does, let's, let's say it is him versus Shesterkin, what, what, what's the advantage for who in that situation? I would still go with Shesterkin because he— Well, I mean, I mean from a team perspective. Let's say those two count, count, cancel If they counter—well, if they cancel each other out— like, We know Anderson yeah. can be very good yeah. based off the season. Yes, yeah, the playoffs, not great. But let's say because he's healthy, now he's rested type thing. Yeah. Let's say they cancel each other out. What's the difference? Well, if there's, yeah, if there's no goalie advantage, then I give it to Carolina because they have a much better defense core than the Rangers do. So that, to me, gives them a little— uh, leg up in the Tony D'Angelo Bowl, yes. as it should be known. Yes. yes, or Aaron Ward. He also played for, for both teams. But he no longer plays for either. So. That, that is very true. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Kevin Weeks also played for both, too, if I'm correct. That sounds right. Yes, that sounds right. Yeah. But, okay, so that that's – what's your pick, though? What's your prediction for this series? I'm going to say Carolina in uh, – six is boring. I was going to say five, but I'm going to say six because it just feels a little more realistic. You stole my answer there. Uh, yeah, I'm – I don't think the Rangers are going to fall over that. That and, and the fact that they played must-win hockey three games in a row, I think, yeah. says like shouldn't have been must-win hockey. No, it they should have won that series in like five. You should be able to beat an AHL goaltender. Yeah, yeah. Who? Who? Here we are. And it was cool that Louis Domingue stole a few games, but if you look at the stats, his, his underlying stats were terrible. <laughs> so, like, I think it was like goal saved above average was like the lowest in the playoffs. It's oh, like wow. okay, so. He, he, you had to throw Cheshire and Jari in there, but Jari, like, the, did you see the reports that he, like, could barely walk out of the press conference after? He, yeah, yeah, he had an ice bag on his foot the whole time. Yeah, yeah, it's like, play hurt. I guess that's what happens in the playoffs. Exactly. And now the series everyone is talking about, the Battle of Alberta. <laughs> this is going to be a lot of fun. This is what everyone's been kind of asking mm-hmm. for. Let's start with the Edmonton Oilers, the first team that did advance uh, of the two. What do the Oilers need to do to win, and is it just Connor McDavid? 
I mean, that's a big part of it. <laughs> yeah. That's a big part because you, if you can't control McDavid, then you're kind of toast because, I mean, he can burn you on his own. And then again, if you're focusing so much on him, that can free up other guys. And, you know, we've seen Evander Kane has played very good hockey mm-hmm. in the first round and gotten a lot of points for the Oilers. So, you know, Edmonton's deeper than they have been. I think that as long as they can play pretty smart, and it's going to be tough mm-hmm. because it's the Battle of Alberta. Yeah. There's going to be some punchy punchy. Uh, you got Kane, you got Zach Cassian, you got Erica Branson and Milan Lucic and Nikita Zadorov and Matthew Kachuk. Uh, like, I mean, there's going to be fights. You know, Darnell Nurse will be in it. Um, you know, there's just so many guys that are going to be looking for each other. And you got to win that special teams battle. Also, if you're the Oilers, you got to make sure Mike Smith is at the top of his game, not literally giving the puck to the other team for a win as he did the first round. <laughs> but on the other hand, Mike Smith also played some fantastic hockey. Sounds the so, best. So yeah, you got to win the goalie battle because Jacob Markstrom's fantastic for Calgary. But um, it's interesting because Markstrom obviously was not the best goalie in the first round. No, but he was like the number two best goalie in the playoffs. Right, right. <laughs> Still, like. Yeah, so I mean, you got to win the goalie battle or at least have it at a draw. And uh, you got to make sure that McDavid is able to play his game because mm-hmm. you know Calgary's coming off a hard defensive series against the Stars. So what's really interesting to me about this Battle of Alberta is what's the pace? Hmm. And it might change during the series. It might start off one way and finish another. I mean, Edmonton might get to dictate the pace early on because Calgary is going to have to adjust from playing Dallas, where scoring chances were very few, to Edmonton, where they're fine attacking because they know they've got the guns to do it. And then, of course, with Edmonton, I thought that L.A. series would be a little closer at times in some games because I thought maybe L.A. could slow them down. It didn't really happen mm-hmm. that way for the most part, and that's why the Oilers are here. But that, to me, is going to be the most fascinating thing is what is the pace of this series. The nice thing about this is this is probably, at least in recent NHL history, the most likely we'll see in a playoff series where we could get a goalie goal and also a goalie fight. Totally. Because those two goalies can get feisty. Oh, yeah. And we've seen Mike Smith get quite angry. Yeah. I believe he was... Was he on Calgary when he... Yeah, was it was he on Calgary when he fought Cam Talbot and Talbot was playing for the Oilers at the time? Very possible. Uh, if, if that was the case, well, there you go. Uh, so that'd be pretty fun. But you got a guy like Mike Smith. You got guys like Milan Lucic who've been on the other side of this thing. That's true. That's kind of cool. Yeah, um, and rare for that matter. Yeah, it's very rare. Yeah. Uh, so that's 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 going to be really fun. Now you're looking at the Calgary Flames who they played this really tough series mm-hmm. and... Um, I'd say at points, like you mentioned, it was kind of a defensive series. At points, their top players uh, looked a little more human than kind of what we saw in the regular season. Yeah. Maybe not. And, and full credit to Jake Ottinger, as we talked about before. Um, how does Calgary win this series? Barrier chances. That's the big thing. And obviously, minimize McDavid as much as you can. You can't stop the Calgary him. can. Calgary can. And Calgary, you know, Oliver Shillington in particular did a great job mm-hmm. this year using his speed to counteract McDavid. So you do have a template but you got to make sure it works. So I, I think what you do is if you're Calgary, you, you basically say to Edmonton, make your other guys beat us. Mm-hmm. Because if they can key in on a McDavid and, and minimize his impact, then the road gets a little tougher for the Oilers. So for Calgary, you know, play that game that got you so far in the regular season. You know, be defensive. You're picked to win the cup. There you go. Um, you know, make sure you can lock things down. But also make sure your big guns 
contribute. So Goudreau, Kachuk, yes. Lindholm, you know, they got to be big for you. And it's it's going to be a tough series, no doubt. And it's going to be super fiery, super passionate. Blood will be shed. You know, maybe BetMGM has a line on like line brawls. I, you know, I would definitely put money down on that. Um, but yeah, it's going to be fun. I hope we get it. I hope we get one. Oh. But we know it's probably going to be like game one or game two. And then sure. like maybe again later in the series when the yeah. teams. Like the, the key thing for me for Calgary is Kachuk needs to just focus. <laughs> yeah. But, but I got to say, Brady Kachuk being at those games, hilarious. Like just the way like he's having such a fun time. Yeah. It's like, I love that. Totally. That's a cool story. Yeah. Uh, yeah if, if Kachuk seemed to focus in the second half of that series, first few games, it seemed like, hey, let's just go and just beat the crap out of John Klingberg. Okay, <laughs> right. now play your game. And yeah. it, it worked out in the end, and he had a pretty good series. And to me, also, a guy like Tyler Toffoli needs to show up. He needs to play a bit better than he did in that first yeah. round. Um, the, from a depth question, though, l- like, let's say McDavid's kind of get shut out let's say mcdavid doesn't play outstanding because calgary's figured it out mm. and let's say gujo the other end which team's depth do you like a bit more uh, it's tough i mean I, I guess i would say calgary because they've got guys like Tafoli and you know blake coleman where you know he's not necessarily a big scorer but he knows how to succeed in the playoffs and I think guys like that, and you know, you got Mangiapane as well, who can really contribute. And it it was fun in the first round seeing him just go full tilt, even because we know he's a skinny guy. Mm-hmm. So seeing him go against you know guys like Hockenpah, yeah, who's a lot bigger than he is yeah. on Dallas, uh, that was super fun. And you know, with the Oilers, you know, I mentioned Evander Kane having a, a, a pretty great first round. Obviously, he has to keep on that. And then you got guys like Nugent Hopkins and Yamamoto where you need to get that secondary scoring if they do shut down McDavid. So it's it's tough, but I think Calgary, I just based on their overall season body of work, I would give the edge to them. I like Calgary's depth more, but Edmonton has the advantage of always having the best player uh, in any game they play. True. And yep. very good argument for the second best player. Too. Yeah. So that helps them. What's your prediction? And I'm guessing I know the team. I'm going to say Calgary, but seven for sure. I think this is going to be just a wild series. So we pretty much have the same exact thoughts. Yeah. And I hope so. I hope this isn't a dud. I hope this isn't like... I know. Like 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 if we get a bunch of four, like a, three games, but the same team wins the same... A few, sweep. Can you like, imagine a sweep? That would be bizarre. Oh, that'd be terrible. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm we, sure the team that wins would have no problem with it. It's like, when you look at last year, like Montreal and Toronto have a long uh, standing rivalry. You obviously look at Toronto, Boston, but it seems like from a whole hockey perspective, I don't know if like the global consensus has ever been this much of we are all so excited about this one particular totally, series. Totally. Because it's that combination of skill and brawn. Like, you know you're going to get everything in this series. And that's the fun part is that you know these teams hate each other. And it's not just going to be about Goudreau versus McDavid for points. No. It's can Zach Cassian keep his temper if Matthew Kachuk is messing with him. And it's like, are we going to see a Darnell Nurse, Eric Branson fight? Are we going to see Kane versus Lucic or Zadorov? Like, what are we going to see? Yeah. The possibilities are endless. Please, and that's goalie so fight. fun. Please get a goalie fight. We could very because well have a goalie I, fight. I, I, Mike Smith, I, I was saying before the show, I was like, Mike Smith feels like he's trying to go for a goal every game now. Every time yeah. there's an empty net, he's going for it. Yeah, I feel like it'd be so cool to see that. How amazing, how amazing it would be if Mike Smith got a Gordie Howe hat trick. 
empty net goal. You know, maybe he puts the puck, you know, behind the net and McDavid like goes yeah, in yeah. to end or there's, you know, he gets a secondary assist on that and then he fights. He has a fight at the very end of the game now. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that'd be, that would be tough. Cause you'd have to get the empty net goal and then fight, <laughs> but you never know. You score and you go and celebrate and then throw your stick and chicken marks. Yeah. <laughs> like, you never know. You just, I don't if know. If anything, if anybody could pull it off. I'm excited. That is going to be so much fun. Yeah. Wednesday night. All right, that's it for the previews. Uh, let's go into some viewer questions. And this one's not about the playoffs, but it's about uh, the New Jersey Devils. Uh, the Pitchfork Puck asks, if you are the New Jersey Devils, are you keeping the second overall pick or shopping it? Let's say there's not a player tied to it just yet, but are you dangling the asset? And you and I both kind of, based off your mock draft, you and I kind of have a similar idea. We both kind of think Slavkovsky would be a good fit there. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I think Slavkovsky is obvious because he's a big, powerful winger. Uh, but I will say, too, if the Devils went with either Simone Nemec or David Juracek, uh, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have a problem with that nope. either. You get an, an awesome defenseman, mm-hmm. I'm totally fine with that. I kind of feel like after Shane Wright, there's a cluster of kind of four or five players where it's like Slavkovsky, Logan Cooley, Joachim Kamel, and then the two defensemen where I'd be fine with any of them. So I do not think the Devils should shop the pick. I mean, you know, you ask. And, you know, if maybe a team wants to, you know, if Seattle, for example, says, hey, let's flip the picks and, you know, you get four and we'll give you player X or we give you, you know, another high pick or something like that, then, okay, you listen to that. But the thing New Jersey needs is a goaltender. Mm-hmm. Free agency is a very good possibility here. Darcy Kemper is a pending UFA. If Colorado wins the Stanley Cup, then all of a sudden, if you're Darcy Kemper, you say, okay, well, I mean, you know, I enjoy it in here in Colorado, but maybe New Jersey's offering me something, you know, whether it's dollar amount or term, maybe that's enticing. You know, Marc-Andre Fleury is back on the market. Who knows what's going to happen with him? Um, You know, the Devils have a lot of exciting young players. And if Hughes and Heischer are healthy at the same time, long-term next year, Alex Holtz comes up, mm-hmm. you know, you've got, you got guys like Sharangovich and Jesper Bratt, um, you know, you got Dawson Mercer. That's a fun forward core, and the defense core is getting better too. If you're a goaltender, it might be an enticing place to play. So I feel like free agency is more yes. likely where they get that goalie that can either – support Mackenzie Blackwood or supplant Mackenzie Blackwood and Blackwood becomes your 1B. Yeah, I, I agree with that one. You, you kind of want to keep that pick. You, like, you got to ask, but it's like you, you mentioned that offensive core, and then if you throw in a guy like like Slavkovsky, or if you do go and get a guy like Yerichek or Nemec, it's like the team becomes way more exciting. And, and to a point, I would say both Yerichek and Slavkovsky, to me, I think could step into NHL pretty much right away. Potentially, Nemec played against Pro this year. I, I I'd like to see a bit more, maybe one more year. But like Slavkovsky, to me, the way he's playing at the World Championship, the way he played against the Olympics, yeah. the way he played against men all year long, there's an argument to be made that he could probably play against men. Sure, full-time. and and because of his size and because of his snarl, if he had to play a bottom six role for a He'd year, that's cool. You can do that. Yeah. So, uh, and the next question comes from David Reinbold. Uh, if you were running the Leafs, what's the first thing you would do this summer? Take a breath. Yep. That's the first thing I would do. I, I don't think there's a lot for them to do. Um, the core is fine. They didn't play bad. Again, if they didn't take two accidental high-sticking penalties at the same time, well, you know, within sure, seconds yeah. of each other, they win that series. So you just if it's any other team that lost that series, you'd be like, hey, it's a tough one. It happens. 
But because the Leafs have lost so many first rounds uh, consecutively now, it's a thing. But you look at that lineup and you say, okay, so you know we're not going to get Giordano back most likely. Um, you know, you make decisions on Spezza and Colin Blackwell, but you've got depth coming up. I think that in the regular season, you really have to establish Rasmus Sandin and or Timothy Lilligren yes. as top six guys. And that helps you even more so with some of the, the veteran defense they have. And, and you know what? Hey, they just signed Toby Niemela to his entry-level deal. He's a pretty fantastic young player coming out of Finland, and we've seen him have a lot of success early on. I'm not saying he's going to jump right into the lineup and be top six, but I'm not saying it's an impossibility either. So depth-wise, they're good. All their players are still, uh, you know, their best players are still in their peak years. Mm-hmm. You know, Matthews might win the heart this year. So and Marner was amazing. He's on Matthews. He was on pace to get way more than sixty goals. Had he played the whole season. Exactly. So yeah, take a breath. Next year, maybe is the year they break through. A concern about the goalie situation? Not really. I mean, Jack Campbell is a pending UFA, um, so that's going to be a big decision. But it's not like they lost because of Campbell. They could have brought back Anderson and said, like, Campbell, like, you're just going to be the backup and we're focusing on keeping Anderson around. But I feel like the fact that they said Campbell, like, you're their number one guy, mm. maybe that entices Campbell to not necessarily look at the open market too much and stick around. But yeah. that, that's more of a stretch. But I, I, th- I think you see what's out there. You kind of you leave it open, right? I mean, that's your rights as a UFA. We saw Steven Stamkos do it a couple of years ago. He ended up re-signing in Tampa. Nothing wrong with looking around, seeing what's out there. I think Jack Campbell will do the same thing where he says, okay, I mean, I like it here. I'll hear some other offers, but if I stay in Toronto, it's a great situation. Still got a chance to win. You'll still be the number one goalie. Could win it all next year. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, it's the thing about it again, losing for Leafs. It's like, okay, yeah, you guys lost again, but look at the team you lost to. Yeah. One, two Stanley Cups and that core is still there. It's still playing really well. It's like, that's a tough series to win. And that's a reason why a lot of people, including like myself, I thought Tampa was going to win that series no matter what. Mm. And Tampa did. And it's just because of the ability to back, like, like if Toronto played any other team, it's like they probably could have won the series. Yeah. Like Florida would have. Maybe not cool. Florida, but yeah. Otherwise, if they played Boston, they probably would have beat Boston. Yeah. So it just kind of is the way things kind of just worked out. And it looked like at one point there, we're going to play Boston in the first round. It's and true. then things kind of changed later. Yeah. That's it for the questions. That's it for the topics. Rapid fire time. Rapid fire time. I am the rapid fire meister. And the Always first good. question, what team were you most wrong about in the first round? Oh, uh, hmm. Minnesota. <laughs> mm. I really thought they were just going to finally like do something that was not mediocre. And unfortunately, that was it. That was mediocre. Nice. For me, it was Boston. I thought there was still some Bruins magic left. Oh. I was ignoring the numbers that Carolina had like swamped them all regular season long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I thought playoff Bruins would be a different thing, but they weren't. And uh, they, played, they played well. They played fine, but obviously they didn't win. So that's the one I was most wrong about, I would say. Okay, second question. A zombie apocalypse has just begun. Sweet. Where do you go as sort of your base camp most safe place? Wow. That is a very good question. Um, There's an old... 
in Oak, I'm from Oakville, and there's Oakville Place Mall. It's massive, but it's mm-hmm. also empty. Uh, there's the the Sears that used to be there. Is just like I, I my grandma used to work there. I found a lot of hidden spots there that no one would think of. Oh, that's where I go. That's very obscure that only Oakville people would know. Gotcha, gotcha. I'm going to my local Costco because you have everything at Costco. Oh, all sorts of food. You would have weapons uh, because. What, do they have? Well, they have like knives and stuff there. I'm sure you could find poles and whatnot. But also the structure of the aisles, you could climb up there. Oh, see, that, right? that's, see I, I didn't think about the, the the fact that you might have to fight some zombies. I, totally. I thought of the part of hiding because right. the, the, I'm pretty sure it's all like a Petco now that took over or a PetSmart or whatever. That's, so you'd have food. It would just be of a lower grade. It, it'd be pretty crappy. And yeah, I'm not yeah. sure I'd have anything to fight with. Yeah. I'd throw some like toys but no, you gotta think of all that yeah, huh, yeah. okay so I, I, Costco, I, I, you get you, you get height you can probably you get weapons you got food uh i was just thinking of abandoned buildings clearly those would be a horrible idea you'd be nothing there and nothing protection exactly you gotta think long term got it okay next who does evgeny malkin play for next season pending ufa pittsburgh penguins legend oh i don't see him going anywhere i think he's gonna retire as a penguin interesting does he does he play next year or does he just stay home like I wonder if the the the, the Russian situation changes things. Um, mm. But to me, I'd say uh, for a player of that caliber, I would like to see a proper like goodbye season. Right. And because he's so important to the Pittsburgh, and yeah. for him to go out game seven in overtime mm-hmm. on the road, I don't know. I, I like to see him do one more season. It, it, but like be it known, it's his last season. Yes, I like that. Like because okay. if Chara retires now, it's like he retires, and it's like it's just kind of a disappointing ending right, right i like to see cool endings for these guys yes like the Derek jeter thing yeah everybody gave him like a lawn chair or whatever exactly yeah or a rocking chair well there, there was one thing in, in nascar where this one driver mark martin did a whole retirement tour and then came back the next season full-time and actually raced for like another six or seven years wow <laughs> so he got a lot of presents. Not cool and, mark yeah all right well i agree with you i think malcolm plays at least one more season and he does so in pittsburgh Okay, next question. A bit of a setup for this one. I'm currently reading Dave Grohl's book, The Storyteller. (laughs) Very fun, especially if you're a music fan. In it, he notes that he has a bad habit of drumming with his teeth, which is to say that he plays beats like with his jaw where he moves his teeth back and forth, and his dentist hates it. He's he's like, do you chew on a lot of ice? He's like, no, it's like because your enamel's all messed up. I do this. Okay. How, do you drum with your teeth? Because I know you're a drummer too. No, I stick my tongue out a lot though. Gotcha. But no, that's... And it's so weird because I I've went never to the thought dentist. of that though. I had never thought of it either, but I do it all the time. And mm. I had just gone to the dentist for the first time in like three years. And uh, he's like, yeah, you're, you know, you've got some like, do you grind your teeth a lot? And at the time I was like, no. Not at all. Then I and as soon as I left, I was like, "Oh my god, I do this all the time." So. I will say though, I like at my home computer, I have like like uh, pedals for a steering wheel setup, and I practice basically like double bass all day long. Nice. And then when I go and try and do double bass, I have no idea what I'm doing. Right. I feel like I'm super fast, and then I try it on real drums. I'm like, I can't do this. Right. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, which draft prospect for 2022 gains the most from playing at this year's World Championship? Oh, pretty good uh, roster to choose from. I think Marco Casper because he's playing first line in Austria, a team that mm-hmm. is playing for their lives, but playing well so far. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's a good sign. And 
I like like for me, Slavkovsky's got the opportunity to solidify himself as the number two prospect. Yeah. But for me, Marco Casper, I just think that like it's easy to say because he's more of a lower rated prospect compared to some of these guys. Mm-hmm. But it's like he's already playing well. He's a play driver on a team where I feel like he's already playing better now than what we saw at the start of the World Juniors. Yeah. And this is a bigger tournament in terms of skill. I agree with you. I think it's Marco Casper because the one thing that when I talked to scouts about him is they really liked him, but they were like. Yeah, when he plays for Austria internationally on the junior circuit, he never gets to touch the puck because they're so bad. But at the World Championship, there's a little more parity there where I'm sure they're going to get blown out, you know, a couple of games or whatever. But you can have games that are at least, you know, they get shots on net. Well, did you see how he played against the U.S.? Played quite well. Played quite well. Yeah. And, and, and David Kickard, who was Austria's back, also like was fantastic and gave that team a chance to win. And, and Casper set up one of the goals and played great. There you go. So we're in green, sir. Final question. Who is the best band that is just a bass player and a drummer? <laughs> I saw a band open up for... Billy Talent some 41 once that was just I don't remember what they called it was hilarious but I can't name a band really like I'm, I'm gonna end up missing someone okay well we'll see Royal Blood's got no guitar player but uh. it's like it's a couple bass players and a drummer but oh that counts okay okay yeah, they're yeah. fine yeah Royal Blood then okay oh, two bases two bases and no. I, I think it's interesting I think it's it, it's really cool because like one bass player uses like full distortion yeah but it's just like a deeper sound and then Actually, it, I think it, it says rock duo. Okay, Royal Blood's two people. There, there we go. go. Royal Blood, that's All right. I have two selections and then sort of an honorary Hall of Fame. Uh, Death from Above 1979. Okay, I did not know that was... Just bass and drums. Okay. Old friends of mine. And then Lightning Bolt, who... Totally different kind of sound, but amazing. And then sort of, to me, the band that started off that great trend was Godhead Silo. Very obscure band. But, uh, yeah, so I'm going to go either Death from Above 1979 or Lightning Bolt. Uh, both amazing. Uh, that's the end of Rapid Fire. So, so Royal Blood, do you know much of their music? I think I've probably you, heard them probably on the radio. heard them a lot because they're on the radio a lot yeah. here, but also they're on a lot of NHL broadcasts. They're also in a bunch of NHL video games. And it's like, these guys are from, from England. Like, I know British hockey fans love hockey. I met a really sure. great one, uh, uh, Elliot from the, uh, Sheffield, a couple weeks ago. But it's like, that they're in a lot of NHL games. It's like, are they big fans? So, um, I don't know. Who so, knows? Or, or EA Sports just loves picking the same bands all the time, whether or not they like it. Like, Avenged Sevenfold was in, in NHL games like three or four times, and that's why I like metal. But, all right, I, that was an interesting rapid fire. That was mm. kind of, that was some make Makes me, you think. Yeah, that, that, that last one, is like, I didn't realize about Royal Blood. So, uh, all right, thank you very much for watching, listening, however you consume this. We'll be back, and uh, next week will be a proper podcast, and uh, we'll have a prospect podcast at some point, too. So, thank you, everyone, for watching and listening, and see you again next time. I can feel myself